sex is fun. You know, it's great when you have that connection and, and the love that goes along with it, but just raw animal sex is fucking hot. And who wouldn't want to do that all day, every day? My sex life has always been like trial and error. You know, like you, you try something, do you like it, yes or no? And uh, then you move on from there. For me, bad sex is when you allowed something to happen when you should have said no. First you have the sex, and then you have the sex you want. Hi, welcome back. I'm Philip Banks, and I'm your host for the Audio Sex Party. I'm really happy you've joined us. Turns out gay guys like talking about sex. Big surprise. It's a rich subject, and when we get talking about our sex lives, it can go in all sorts of directions. I know this because together with some friends, I hosted three audio sex parties, where a few dozen men shared intimate details about the sex they have and the sex they want. From these conversations, we pulled out ten themes that we've woven into our first season of this podcast, for your oral pleasure. On the last episode of the podcast, we heard guys talk about the ways the internet has changed how we find the sex we want. And on this episode, we'll be listening to the guys talk about kink. So come on in and join the party. Through the internet, or I used to pick up people, like pick up people in the street corner, right, and go home with them, or go into their car, and that that adrenaline rush that goes with it. And I wonder if that was such a focus, or that was such a an aspect of my sexuality or my sexual experiences when I was like twenty and twenty two and twenty four. That now I I actually wonder if that's why I'm driven to kind of more extreme fetishes is because I'm still looking for that rush that risk that and risk. that rush yeah. and that that sense of like wow I'm doing something crazy my friends don't do I figured out I was into exhibitionism somewhat accidentally uh, I don't think that it ever occurred to me to label my fetishes as uh, as exhibitionism um, until I'd been doing them for 10, 15 years. It's probably really only in the last like five or 10 years that I, I would say I'm an exhibitionist above everything else. That was Billy Axelrod. He was a guest at one of the audio sex parties. We heard Billy talk about sexting with guys on Snapchat on episode one of the podcast. Uh, one of my early uh, quasi coming out stories, I was living in Washington, D.C., and we decided to do, uh, for my friend's birthday, we're going to do a bar tour of bars we never go to. Uh, and DC is unusual because you didn't have to wear clothing to be a go-go dancer. Uh, so it's naked go-go dancing. Um, so we go to the bars and you know, take a couple singles in case there's someone cute. And uh, there was someone cute. And I, started, I, was, I was standing on the, uh, by the bar and he bent down to talk to me. And we're talking for a little bit. And I said, this is really pretty amazing what you're doing. It's so cool. And he was like, oh, you know, actually, I'm a, I'm a, a staffer on, on the Hill. I, uh, you know, I work, uh, you know, five days a week on Capitol Hill. I just graduated from, I forget where he was, but it was a, a fairly prestigious school. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm just doing this just for fun. It's just a couple nights a week and it's hundreds of dollars. I'm like, that's craziness. It's like, but... I could do that. I was like, I, I like, I like dancing and I don't mind being naked. I don't mind if, uh, if people look at me. So I was talking to one of the managers and sure enough, within two weeks, I was dancing naked on the bar and I loved it. I thought this is the most amazing thing. Yeah. I like, I wonder if I'm still seeking that and like, cause it makes me, it actually makes me question you. if I'm actually into what I'm into or right. if I'm just still seeking that rush. Right, right. 
eventually was I moved to San Francisco and, and a lot of um, uh, the activities that are kinky, uh, you know, are sort of behind closed doors in Washington, uh, are a little more public in San Francisco. So I would find that, you know, at Folsom Street Fair, you know, if you liked spanking or flogging, well, you could do that in the street in front of hundreds of people. So you do that, you know, and you'd see maybe, you know, a friend might walk by and see you or a colleague, um, you know, and that was that was a bit of a thrill. Uh, oh, look at me. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this crazy thing. Look at me. Look at me. I can do this thing. Not everybody can do this thing. And eventually I realized that all these things that I was able to do, it wasn't that I wanted to be necessarily to be spanked or to be flogged or to be pissed on in the street or tied up or... Uh, you know, or or, necess- or even dance naked on the bar, it really was the, let me tell you about this crazy thing I did. Let me tell you about this crazy story, and look at me doing it. Look at me doing this crazy thing. I think people don't know what they're good at, right? I did some research at the, the Leather Archives uh, Museum in, in Chicago, and mm-hmm. they uh, did this at the mineshaft, the legendary mineshaft in New York, in and New York. they did have the school of lower education in the 1970s and it was precisely that because you had people like you had your hicks and i say that with love from minnesota and ohio and and the dakotas coming to new york right to be gay and they would teach them stuff mm-hmm. right in the mine shaft so they would learn okay this is how you get fisted so you don't get a fissure and you don't get this or that that was francisco ibanez carrasco he was a guest at one of the audio sex parties in episode one we heard Francisco talk about the ways technology has changed hookup culture. Each person's kink, they have a reason for it. Either they like it, they you know, they want to be the act of humiliation, they want to be tied to a tree and have other people laugh at them or have eggs thrown at them. I'm Sir Christian Andrews, trans guy from Toronto and Oshawa. I am a leather dominant in both communities. I was at the audio sex party. We had a nice discussion about the ideals of intimacy and sex and how we get together and what we look for and stuff like that. Like what connects us. Well, I can give you an example. One of the guys that is under me, he's in a position of power at work. So he's always in control. So for him, it's a matter of not being in control, not having a say, being free without having to think. So he he wants me to do and to tell him what to do for everything, you know, how to wash the dishes, what to do, where to go, how to sit, how to kneel. He wants that micromanagement direction. He likes the freedom of not having to make a decision. So let me ask you this. Billy and I talk about this a lot. Um, These specific fetishes like uh, fisting or piss play or dom sub or, you know, like a a very specific fetish. Do Do you think that it originated in one's youth? So I think back to when I lost my virginity and I think back now I'm like, oh, that probably was I, I was probably accosted. I, I, that was probably a an abusive uh, interaction. And, you know, 
I wanted it so badly mm. at the time that I was sort of okay being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And fetishes arise from that one particular um, event or interaction. I don't think they are the originate at one point or another. I mean, for me, I think I was a child. I'm, I'm, uh, I was uh, sexually abused by priests who already, they had smelled and detected my queerness. They knew I was going to be queer, which did not, uh, did not, uh, didn't condone what they did to me. However, I remember many of my fetishes uh, come directly from being brought up Catholic. Right, I mean, Catholic Church is all about pain. It's all about flagellation. It's all about humiliation and kneeling down, and the eyes of the saints in the churches, you know, pointing to the sky in eternal, uh, what is it? There, an eternal um, orgasm. Right, There's all all that shit is weird and and clearly uh, S and M, but things uh, change and you take on new things or abandon new things depending on circumstances in your life. I think for me, being heavily medicalized and almost dying in the 1990s and 1994, to be more precise, also put me in touch with um, kind of like, I, I lost fear of my body. My body had betrayed me. I was going to die. So I knew I could do things with it that were very interested. Um, and I, I knew I could put things into my body. I knew I could stretch my skin. The body, only when you've gone through kind of a medical situation, you realize how resilient and amazing the body is and how sensorial and, and sensual it can be. What's nice also is locally, you know, you've got something like the eagle, which really does promote um, kinky behavior, and they have great nights mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. Um, sure. So, you know, Kink 101 or Leather Night or their foreplay party or, you know, that that does, maybe it's not a formal seminar type education, mm -hmm. um, but I think by osmosis you do sort of learn by... Uh, uh, people who are more experienced. Okay, so the other thing that I want to mention is about pain and how uh, if you say to folks, oh, I'm into kink, they usually, they they mean that you have a harness. You bought a harness for like $15 in the store and that makes you kink. And if you say, no, actually, you know, I love slapping someone around, but if you're actually, if I feel your vibe as a real top, you can slap me around and usually they respond very quickly. I'm not into pain. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you're the same guy who's going to fall in love with some loser and is going to be crying all over the place because that's what we do and listening to some old, you know, song. So the pain is there. Sometimes uh, we confuse the physical pain or we don't know how to approach it. Uh, but I think pain and pleasure are together. Some people love the idea of breaking up. They, they wouldn't say that to themselves, but they live their lives, you know, in constant love pain and, you know, of unrequited love and that kind of stuff. So I think pain is always present. It's just that we have a very rudimentary idea of what pain is in kink. 
in terms of the BDSM community and my involvement, I am considered a dominant. So I am a leather dom, which is different than a kinky dom. Leather dominance, we more so have a connection of house. So basically, we set up uh, people within the community that have similar interests with us, and it goes beyond just the one night of kink. It becomes more like a friendship, more like a family. So, for example, if I were to learn flogging, I would go to a flogging master, someone who's recognized as that is their primary um, skill within the community under safe and consensual aspects, as well as body harming, not, you know, safe body harming, as it would be considered. So you meet up with these people, they take you under the wing, you learn what it's like to receive the impact that's being applied to you, you also learn how to safely apply it to someone else. You learn both the empathy of what is what it is you're doing to someone else and what it means to them. And at the same time, you also learn how to command what it is that you're looking for without the humiliation and degradation that some people have. It's a weird part of gay sex culture that I'm not exactly sure why it works that way. But I'm really interested for me is like why we're so scared about talking um, about the stuff that we really like, but with with the other people, I think we we find um, venues like this where we can talk stuff and say hole and dick and stuff like that, and nobody faints yet. <laughs> um, but uh, when I try to talk like that with my colleagues or with my physician or stuff like that, they the silence is always deafening, right? Yeah. Oh, we have a, a gay male doctor, and he stops well short of uh, even the the most practical, basic questions, mechanical questions of, mm-hmm. of gay sex, uh, who does what. And the whole reason we even went to a gay doctor was why I wanted to be comfortable mm-hmm. saying sure. like, oh, I'm a bottom or I drink piss or, you know, sure. I, I want to get fisted. And yeah, and I want to talk about, uh, you know, the, the medical sides of that, you know, with someone mm-hmm. who's educated. But yeah, it's, it's hard to find a, a physician who's willing to, to, to go there. I really find that piss is moving very much into the mainstream. Um, and I mean, and as it should, it's a, you know, piss is a super easy kink to have. It's, um, you can do it in the shower. Uh, you don't really have to prepare because you were probably going to pee like at some point in the next hour anyway. Uh, and as soon as you're done with it, you just turn the water on in the shower and it washes right off like it never happened. Uh, piss is also free. Uh, so unlike a lot of leather or gear, um, it doesn't really require uh, any major investment other than, uh, you know, the, the desire to do it. Um, and it can be done in so many ways. You can pee, uh, you can piss on someone, you can piss in someone, you can, you can piss in their mouth, you can, you can piss in their, someone's asshole, you can give them a piss enema. Um, you can really degrade them and, and force them, force them, take my piss, you know, wear my piss, you know, put your, put your dick on someone's head and just, you know, just soak them in piss. Um, you can be, uh, gentle and just fun and very, uh, you know, almost have like a, a childlike fascination with it. So, you, you know, you bring up, Billy, you bring up like piss play or like, if you're looking for that information, like, what do you do? Is it just kind of like you learn by, by, by doing it? Or do the you internet. like the internet? Yeah. 
the internet. Uh, like, Snapchat, <laughs> right? Like, because there are like so many right. piss guys you can learn from who are right. doing their own thing, like you guys, right. um, on Snapchat, right? And that's so we like piss celebrities here today. Oh. oh, I feel like maybe we're like a little bit piss celebrity, maybe I, or something. I mean, I like to think I'd that. I have to say, yeah. there's a following. <laughs> <laughs> Minor, minor piss celebrities. I think one of the one of the things about piss that I find now is that so many people are into it. Um, it's it's one of those things that's almost like not uh, uh, almost not kinky. Um, it's you know not that everybody you know gets a piss enema every day. Like that's that's maybe a little extreme. Um, you know, but if there's no reason why, you know, like two 20 year old boyfriends wouldn't piss on each other in the shower every now and then, like, why not? Um, I imagine more people are doing that than, uh, than we, we would assume are doing that. Um, I think the internet's been amazing. It's really brought a lot of, uh, uh, younger people, um, uh, to these fetishes earlier in life. They certainly have much more visibility to them on the internet. They're, they're able to discover them. They, they see videos, um. They can be in chat groups. Uh, they can meet people, uh, you know, online through apps or through websites. Um, you know, and they can they can discuss these fetishes, and they can, um, you know, they become much more realized sexual beings at at twenty and twenty two than you know than I was at at, at thirty two or forty two. Even it makes me wonder what a, a you know a twenty two year old who's Who's into piss play and flogging and you know and and wrecking their hole with uh, with traffic cones? You know what is that person going to be into when they're forty and fifty? Um, you know they they're already you know beyond the limits of most fifty-year-old men that I know. I sort of wonder what today's twenty-five-year-old is going to be doing in in twenty years. Thanks for joining the Audio Sex Party. On this episode, you heard. Billy Axelrod, Francisco Banyas Carrasco, Sir Christian Andrews. But we also heard lots of other voices too, and we want to thank them for coming to the party and sharing their stories. Join us next time. We'll listen to guys talk about consent, an important topic that we need to keep talking about. find the sex I want is I try to be the change I want to see in the world. I try to throw the sex parties I want to have in the world. I try to be uh, the promiscuity that I hope exists in the world. <laughs> I really I really try to set I, I try to be the example of what I want to see. The way I find the sex I want is working very hard at it. I'm like, uh, you know, they asked me once, what was my theme song as a researcher? And I say she works hard for the money. <laughs>